Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. I really do appreciate the fact that um, you have loved us and loved our family. I mentioned that the other night, and I couldn't ask for anything more. And if you just love our family and, and the in the life of a pastor's wife, of course, no matter what the title over the door is, is somewhat you live in a glass house. And so our mistakes and failures are not necessarily always able to be shrouded by other things. And uh, so I appreciate you loving us through those mistakes. And I appreciate you loving Sister Boyd and I, but I also appreciate you loving our son. And all through the years, I have mentioned this, and uh, it's just fitting for me to mention it one more time. I am not an outdoorsman. I don't hunt. I don't fish. I've tried all of the above. I don't golf, and uh, and I just never found satisfaction in that. And yet, our son was—he just hit the ground as an outdoorsman, and um, I. I'm not athletic. <laughs> I possess none of those abilities. I've jokingly said this, but it is really the truth. Or people think I've jokingly said it, but it's really the truth. My son taught me to play catch. <laughs> when he was in Little League, I had, to, I had to practice with him, and oh, what a torturous time that must have been. And when, when I would finally catch the ball, he would cheer me on and say, that was a great catch, Dad. That's the truth. That's the truth. That's the absolute gospel truth. But through the years, I've been so very humbled to have good moral men that have that have been able to fill the gaps that I just couldn't fill. And so we had good moral men, such as Brother Alan Everett, that took up so much time with uh, my son as a young man and... and uh, his, his love for hunting and things of that nature, he was able to teach Brother Jimmy Sullivan, and, and I, I'll be in trouble if I start mentioning names, but just all of the men that helped um, helped to hone those skills and to, to be there for him, people that, I, that, that Sister Boyd and I could trust him with. And uh, we appreciate that very, very much. You have helped him to become the man that he is today. And, and then as he grew up and married and... Uh, of course, he married, didn't marry a strange girl from another planet and drag her here for all of you trying to, to adjust to, but he married one of our own from right here. And, and, uh, and I watched how all of you as a congregation, as, as you saw Sarah just by default in marriage become a part of a pastoral family, we watched how you loved her in a different capacity. And how your respect for her changed. You didn't just love and respect her as a young girl in the church. 
But as they have grown together in ministry themselves, we've watched your love for them transition in a different way and your respect for them transition in a different way. And for that, we're just deeply humbled. And I could go on and on and on, but thank you for loving our family. And when I say loving us, uh, I'm not necessarily referring to just the gifts that you give us and the things of that nature. While we greatly appreciate that and we're deeply honored, but it's not those things. Those things happen every now and then throughout the calendar year. But you love us every day, and that's what matters most. And so just like um, it has been stated here today that you need us, we need you equally because it is together that we are able to do what God has called us to do, and I'm very, very humbled to be a part of this day. I can't help but to remember 18 years ago last night, I stepped behind this pulpit for the very first time on a Wednesday, and uh, I had far more questions than you had answers, and you must have been in total shock to have elected a 26-year-old man that had zero pastoral experience, but maybe we just all felt and knew in our heart that it was just a God moment and a God thing, and so we have made some good decisions and made some bad ones along the way but when we made bad decisions as I said the other night we didn't just lock the doors and stop having church we just backed up and hit it again and we tried a different way and I thank you for your love and your patience but throughout a man's life and I'm not trying to drag this out but throughout a man's life certainly in the life of a minister and that of a pastor you need people in your life that that you can also rely on as a sounding board, as someone that you can go to. And I have always talked about the fact that I I want people in my life that I'm accountable to. I want somebody that that can speak truth into my heart and speak truth into my life. And God has blessed me through the years with so many, many of those voices, and I'm thankful for that. I don't want to be alone. I, I, um, I believe that we are... But the scripture says, David said, God said the solitary into families. And so we're not designed to be alone. And I'm thankful for that. Back in 1993, um, I made a somewhat random phone call to Brother C. Patton Williams in, in Ocala. And uh, I knew of him through a mutual family in our church. Brother and Sister Morris had a daughter that was attending college in Central Florida and attending brother and sister Williams church and so I knew of brother Williams through the Morris family and brother Williams knew of me through the Morris family but we had never met but um, uh, only God knows and only eternity will reveal how desperately sister Boyd and I needed someone in our life at that particular moment and I picked up the phone and I told brother Williams that I was going to be coming through Ocala and I wanted to know if he would meet me we met at the Cracker Barrel on 200, and uh, there was not one for me, at least there was not one moment that I can remember of awkwardness. It just felt like to me that when I shook his hand, I was shaking the hand of a man that had been a lifelong friend. I had no earthly idea what God was developing in my life with that mere handshake. We sat and had lunch, and from that moment until this, Brother Williams has been someone that I can count on. I wanted, uh, I've fought desperately in my heart about inviting him to come here and speak. 
not because I didn't want him to be a part of this service. But Brother Williams is also our district superintendent. He pastors a church full-time. He has two full-time-plus jobs. I don't know how he and Sister Williams get it all done. They have three missionaries at their church right now, <laughs> this morning in Ocala. And uh, I appreciate him taking the time to be here and to, and to come and share in this special moment with us. But I didn't just ask him to come in an official capacity, although there's not a man in an official I respect anymore. I ask him to come today because he is my friend. And I have laughed together. We have laughed together. We've cried together. I've watched him when things were easy, and I've watched him when things were sad. For the last 15 years, I've had the privilege to serve with Brother Williams on the Florida District Board. And so behind closed doors, I've watched him handle people's lives and their future and their ministry. And I've watched the tenderness in his heart and his eyes. And I've desired to be a leader just like this man is. He has the gift of leadership. The gift of being able to touch people when they're at their lowest moment and bring them back up to another level. And I thank him so much for taking the time. It's not lost to Sister Boyd and I. <clears throat> it's not lost to Sister Boyd and I, the responsibilities he has, he has elsewhere. And so that's why, as I tell him all the time, I leave him alone. <laughs> I, try to, I try to be one of the ones that just leave him alone and just try to be good. I'm not always good, not always, um, not always probably right. But anyway, I'm thankful that he's here. I love him and appreciate him. And I wonder if you would stand and honor our friend and our guest, the Florida District Superintendent, but more than that, my friend, Brother C. Patton Williams. Let's just thank the Lord this morning for the wonderful pastor and wife he's given you. Thank you so much, God. We give you glory and honor that you have brought Brother and Sister Boyd to this place. We thank you, Lord, for every good thing that you've done in their lives and how it has overflowed into the lives of this congregation. We give you glory and honor and greatness, Lord. You are so awesome and so mighty. So worthy of our praise, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord bless you, and you may be seated. I have learned some things today. One, brother and sister Boyd and sister Williams and I have been pretty close. I'd never heard anything about James. But there are a few other names I've heard about. <laughs> Isn't the Lord good? It is indeed my privilege to be here this morning. I go some places reluctantly, but I'm here this morning because I want to be here. I'm here this morning because I had to fight to be here this morning. He did everything in his power to uninvite me. 
and I just refused. He even, well, I'll tell you about that. But from the very beginning of the church, God placed pastors in his will. The Bible says that God put the body together as it pleased him. And so when God chose a man to lead this church, he chose brother and sister Boyd in his will. And so who are you or I to argue with God? A pastor is God's gift to his church, placed at the direction of the Holy Ghost. In life, there are doctors that are honored because they hold people's lives in their hands. There are lawyers that are very well compensated for what they do because they affect a person's legal standing. There are CPAs that are respected because they influence a person's financial standing. But a pastor is somebody that is sent by God himself that is going to affect the most precious thing that you have, and that is your eternal soul that is going to live forever somewhere. Absolutely, positively, there is nothing that could be of greater significance than who your pastor is. Not to be misunderstood, the church is founded on only one thing, and that is Jesus Christ. He alone is the foundation. No one else could ever replace him. However, we are to hold in high esteem, and I believe that you do, those who labor in his behalf. We do no disservice to the Lord when we fulfill his word in showing honor to the man that he has sent to be our pastor. The Apostle Paul writing to the Thessalonians said, Know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, esteem them highly in love for their work's sake. In his writings to Timothy, he said, Let the elders that rule be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in word and in doctrine. Truly, God's gift to this church, Pastor and Sister Steve Boyd are worthy of double honor. There are many wonderful things that have happened in the past 25 years under their leadership, and it is with great excitement that we anticipate the future. You're blessed because they're young enough to be here 25 more years. I've been at the church I pastor for 22 years, and when we celebrate our 25th, they'll probably be giving me my retirement check. <laughs> After all, the church is still pressing forward, full speed ahead, and it's because you have great and wonderful leadership. Edward Everett is a name that I doubt probably anybody here this morning recognizes. Our failure to recognize him is certainly not due to his lack of accomplishment because he was a very accomplished man. 
He was an American politician. He was an educator from Massachusetts. He served as a United States representative. He served as a United States senator. He was even governor of his home state of Massachusetts. He was a U.S. ambassador to Great Britain and at one point served as the Secretary of State of the United States. On top of that, he was an intelligent man. He taught at Harvard and eventually served as the president of Harvard University. He was one of the great American orators of the Civil War era. He was the featured orator, in fact, at the dedication of the National Cemetery in Gettysburg in 1863, where he spoke for over two hours. The reason that we don't remember the man or the contents of his oratory is that he had the unbelievable bad timing to be the one who spoke immediately before President Abraham Lincoln delivered his famous two-minute Gettysburg Address. A lot of preachers could learn from that. <laughs> President Lincoln said, Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth upon this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. He went on to say, The world will little note nor long remember what we say here but it can never forget what they did here. The president made a grave miscalculation when he said the world will little note nor long remember what we say here. Almost 120 years later, President Ronald Reagan, who's been gone a while now, would say that in 1863 when he dedicated a small cemetery in Pennsylvania marking the terrible collision between the armies of the North and the South, Abraham Lincoln noted the swift obscurity of such speeches. President Reagan said, well, we now know that Lincoln was wrong. His remarks commemorating those who have their last full measure of motion of devotion were and are long remembered. But since that moment at Gettysburg, President Reagan said, few other such addresses have become a part of our heritage, not because of the inadequacy of speakers, but because of the inadequacy of words. My subject this morning is taken from the last portion of that sentence because of the inadequacy of words. This Sunday, January the 19th, 2014, has been set aside to honor Pastor and Sister Steve Boyd for 25 years of service. However, I ask you this morning, as hard as we would try, where do we find adequate words to express appreciation to a giant of a man who has so unselfishly given his life 
to the kingdom of God and particularly to this congregation. It is my contention today that we are once again faced with the inadequacy of works. Where do I first personally find the words to express proper appreciation to my very, very dear friend? I was sitting there thinking this morning as the service was going on. He is the only person that could pick up the phone on a Sunday afternoon and say, I'll be there to preach for you tonight and get no contention. That's the open invitation he has to the pulpit that I'm privileged to pastor from. That's the sense of our friendship and our relationship. I have people sometimes that I'm nervous when they're in the pulpit. I can tell you when Brother Boyd is there, I am totally relaxed because I trust him explicitly with everything that God has blessed us with. While I've been privileged to call him a friend for only 22 years, the profound effect that he has had in my life allows me a little glimpse of how his life has impacted so many people. He could have been a lot of things. He could have gone a lot of places. But God called him to be a minister of the gospel and gave you the wonderful gift of allowing him to be your pastor. To prepare him for this lifetime of ministry, God allowed him to sit at the feet of his pastor, Reverend Billy Tumman. And Brother Tumman, a great man, carefully molded and shaped the ministry of his son in the gospel. And when Brother Boyd's pastor, Brother Tumman, released him, and not before, but when he released him, he and his wife began to evangelize across this great nation and saw multitudes of people baptized in water and in the spirit. The, there are people that are scattered all across America who came to God under the ministry of evangelist and sister Steve Boyd. And on eternity will we be able to measure the results of all those years of evangelism. He was honored by his peers. He became the national evangelist coordinator of the Assemblies of the Lord Jesus Christ and later became the assistant superintendent of the Florida District. And together they evangelized until 25 years ago, God called them to this church. Just three years into that calling, we both were attending a camp meeting in Ocala, and I was privileged to make the acquaintance of a man that instantly became my cherished friend. It was exactly like he said this morning. From the moment that we met, it was like we had always known each other, that we had so many things in common. Even when he called me at 7.30 Friday morning, well, he didn't call first. He texted and said, are you awake? And I said, yes, and the phone rang. He said, I don't want you to come Sunday. I want you to stay home. You've got all that stuff going on. I insisted on coming. Because I wanted to be here to honor my friend. 
We've celebrated holidays together. I ate my first deep-fried turkey at his house one Thanksgiving and never forgotten it. Begged him for one since then. <laughs> we've been to conferences together. We've attended meetings together. We've vacationed together. You see, it isn't the venue or the road or the destination that matters. It was those that we were with, and we were with our dear friends. And so this morning, I am faced with the inadequacy of words to properly express my appreciation and to congratulate my dear friend on his 25th pastoral anniversary. And I would say, may God continue to shine his blessing into your lives, and we want you to know that Corliss and I love you very, very much. And as we look into the word of God this morning, may we continue to consider the inadequacy of words. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7 and verses 14 through 21, the Bible said, I became a servant of the gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom the whole family in heaven and earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to the power of that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and forever. The apostle is making reference to the fact that God robed himself in flesh, in the flesh of mankind and gave himself for the sins of all mankind. Oh, the inadequacy of words to express what actually happened when God robed himself in flesh. Philippians said, let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was in the likeness, made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father just as President Lincoln found adequate words for his oratory at Gettysburg, there is no doubt that John Newton did the same when he penned the words of that beautiful hymn of the church, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. 
I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. T'was grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me on. It is through the grace and the love of God that our lives have been changed and been made new. And I say, oh, the inadequacy of words to express what God has done in my life and what God has done in your life and how God has changed us. As we sang that song this morning, oh, the love of Jesus. Oh, the love of Jesus. And I began to look back on my life and I began to think about times that I didn't even recognize at the moment that God was taking care of me, that God was protecting me, that God was keeping his hand on me. Oh, the inadequacy of words to tell him how much I love him and how much I worship him and how much I exalt him for his goodness and his grace and his mercy. Listen to the wonderful words of Ephesians 2 that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Whatever you are this morning, whatever I am today, it's because of him. Whatever we felt this morning and the awesome presence of the Lord permeated this place today, it wasn't because I was so good or wonderful this week. It wasn't because that you were so awesome this week that God just had to reward you for your goodness. But it was because of his grace and it was because of his mercy and it was because of his awesomeness. It was because of the fact of the greatness of the God that we serve. Oh, the inadequacy of words to express how awesome our God is. word workmanship literally means masterpiece. The saints of God, those born again in the new birth of water and the spirit, the bride of Christ which someday will be caught away forever to be with the Lord. It's called the masterpiece of God. And while this God created the worlds and everything that is in them, including every living creature, every star, the sun, the moon. Our minds are so finite and we're trying to figure out this infinite God. When we think about the creation of God, we usually think about our little solar system here. God's so much bigger than that. that there's so much more out there that you and I know nothing at all about. And this God that we serve, he created all of that. 
in six days. Six little short days. And then when I begin to think about that it has taken that same God 2,000 years and counting to create his masterpiece, the church. Oh, the inadequacy of words to express what my God really is. He could speak light into darkness. He could speak the worlds into existence. He could cause animals to come forth from the ground. He caused vegetation to come forth. He said, let it be, and it was. It was just his word, and it happened here and there and there, and it was popping up everywhere. That was the awesomeness, the power, the the beauty of the God that you and I serve. But when he got ready for a church, he had to robe himself in the flesh, the dirty, filthy flesh of mankind and come and walk on the face of this earth and take upon himself the sins of the world and lay his life down for you and for me. Oh, the inadequacy of words to express my love for a God like that. be a part of his church we're told in these verses that it's all done by grace the exceeding riches of his grace for by grace are you saved it's the most vital vitally important for us to know for us to understand his grace You don't have to get nervous about grace. This was written to the church. If somebody needs to be converted, you need to go back to Acts. This was written to people that had repented. This was written to people that had been baptized in his name. This was written to people that had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And it's vital that you and I understand that instead of grace leaving us as we were in our sin and changing the mind of a holy God so that he could look the other way while we misbehaved, grace actually transformed and changed you and me. grandchildren one of them is a two year old little girl that belongs to my son Daryl who many of you know she's quite a character she is very demanding and takes over when she comes in does what she wants to do Daryl called me the other day and he said dad I'm sending Elon to Tupelo I said good don't send her to me She needs a little grace in her life. She needs a little change. And she'll get it as time comes. But God's grace 
has changed us. God's grace has worked on us. That is the amazing grace that John Newton wrote about. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things being passed away and all things become new. In Christ, we are new creatures. In Christ, old things are passed away. In Christ, all things become new. We don't have to remain in our sin and we don't have to be weak perpetually. We're no longer bound by the things of this world, but we've been set free in Jesus Christ. The power of his grace that transforms us and transforms our weakness into strength and our ugliness into beauty and our uncleanliness into purity and our sinfulness into holiness and our enmity into love. His grace is sufficient. Grace fills the vacancy in the heart and meets the need in time of trouble. But oh, the inadequacy of words to explain what God has done and what God is doing in our lives. I've heard people make the statement, I wish God would do something for me. And my response to that is you should never, ever, ever, ever make that statement. You need to start counting the things that God has done for you. You need to start doing an inventory of every time in your life that God has already done a miracle for you. Listen to the the gracious words of Jesus in Acts 1 and 8. He said, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Camaro that Brother Boyd was sitting in. I don't know about that particular one, but there's a bunch of them that have some pretty high-powered engines in them. And little old ladies shouldn't have cars like that. Those are cars for men that know how to put the pedal to the metal. That's sort of how the power of the Holy Ghost is. The power of the Holy Ghost is not for weaklings. The power of the Holy Ghost is not for the uncommitted. The power of the Holy Ghost is not just for somebody that wants to amble along through life, but the power of the Holy Ghost allows the grace of God to work in us and do miraculous things in our lives. invitation, his invitation is still valid today. The Bible says in John 7, in the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. 
He that believeth on me, as the scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spake of the Spirit. This he spake of the Holy Ghost, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. But here's something real important. Today, he is glorified. The Holy Ghost is given and the amazing power of grace is available to you right here, right now, this morning to those that are crying out, what shall we do? The apostle Peter answered and said, repent. Turn away from your sin and turn to Jesus. He said, be baptized. That is to be immersed in water. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission of your sins. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. For the remission of sins, that is the power of his grace and action bringing about remission of the complete removal of our sins. You see, when God forgives, he forgets. God knows everything, but he chooses never to remember your sin against you ever again. And he said, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. There's grace enough for everybody. The musicians would come. The amazing power of grace, the power of the Holy Ghost is for everybody. It was purchased at Calvary, and it was delivered at Pentecost. And oh, the inadequacy of words to express what God has done and what God will do in a life. I remember the day that Felicia walked into the church in Ocala. She was an 18-year-old unmarried girl with a one-year-old little boy. And God forgave her of her sins and filled her with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'll never forget after she had been won to God by some people that she worked with. And and there was a, a young man that was pursuing Felicia that didn't come to church. He visited a couple times, not because he was interested in God, but because he was interested in Felicia. He showed no interest in God and a whole lot of interest in her. And, And I was concerned as a pastor because she was a new convert. So I talked to one of the the men that worked with her, and I said, David, I said, you need to talk to Felicia, and you need to help her to understand that, that she needs to look for somebody that's in the church, that not to, to go outside of the church to marry. You know, I mean, here she is. She's an 18-year-old girl with a one-year-old son, and that kind of cuts the field down a little bit. And so it could be enticing 
David came back to me the next service. He said, Brother Williams, Felicia looked at me and said, what are you talking about? I'm not interested in anybody that's not in church. That young man did come. He did receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He's one of the ministers in our church today. God has blessed them with three more children and they're an awesome family in the church. Oh, the amazing power of grace and the inadequacy of words to explain it. Four and one half years ago, we were two weeks from finishing our new church building. My wife had been to the doctor for an, an x-ray or an MRI or something that morning and they told her that it would be a couple of weeks before she would get the results. She was in a place of business buying stuff. We were in the final stages of finishing everything. We had been in this building program. It, we had sold our other property almost five years before and we'd been having church at the campground and the church was excited about getting back in their own place. And everything was wonderful and everything looked good. She got a phone call that afternoon and the doctor said, you need to come to my office and pick up this report and go straight to the hospital. She called me and I said, well, what is it? She said, I don't know. I said, I'll be there. I'll be with you to pick it up. I picked it up and I began to read. And I'm not a doctor, and so I didn't know what all those big words meant, but I knew what some of them meant, and I knew it wasn't good. And I'll never forget when they came and they told us that her body was eaten up. from it, Her chest was full, her abdomen was full, her back was full. It was everywhere in there, and, and that she had to immediately start chemotherapy and all the things that go with that, and to fall apart I can remember her laying in that bed and reaching over and patting me on the back and saying it's going to be alright we're going to get through this you know why because his grace is always sufficient it's always sufficient he never fails us I can't explain the God that I serve I don't have words to express to you how awesome he is. I don't have words to express how great he is. But as we stand together this morning, if you understand the beauty of God's grace, you ought to do everything in your power to worship him and to magnify him and to exalt him. Do everything that you can to get beyond the inadequacy of words and express how great our God is. And maybe somebody around you that doesn't know him will come and find the awesomeness of his power and his grace this morning. Would you magnify him? Would you exalt him? Lift your hands and praise him this morning. Let's come to the front and worship and exalt the Lord. Come make it easy for anybody else that wants to join us today. If you don't know him, you can know him today. He's an awesome God. He's a great God. He's a mighty God. He is an awesome God. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. 
We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.